Hey, Ramon. Hey, Timea. Let's talk gender equality. I love the idea. Give me a second. I just got to grab my coffee. I hope you've got yours too. Yeah, right here. I think is an excellent moment to segue into what Women Tech Makers Vienna is because we've got a lot to say about that. We are both part of the Women Tech Makers Vienna organization. And uh, you've been around for much longer than I have, Timia. Why, why don't you start by telling us what, what Women Tech Makers Vienna is? Um, sure. Actually, I, I think, yeah, in January, we will be have, we'll have our eighth year anniversary since we wow. founded the community in Vienna. And um, it's, um, it started from the Google Developer Group, which is a community of uh, people interested in Google products and uh, frameworks and technology alike. And, um, uh, you know, these big conferences that happen uh, yearly in, at Google in San Francisco, well, the women that participated there uh, were like, but you know, it's kind of lonely around here. Where, where are all the women at this, conf at this big tech conferences? And I think that's the, where the need actually started to um, push into let's do something about it. So yeah, Women Tech Maker was uh, started in uh, at this one of these big Google conferences in San Francisco, what, eight, nine years ago. And uh, through the Google developer communities, they were like, hey, would you like to start a local chapter? We provide you with the name, with the visual identity, like we have our you know, logo, uh, colors, brand, all that. Um, just, you know, with the simple goal of bringing more women into STEM. And uh, we, Sorry, STEM? we said, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, STEM being? Uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Right, yes, of course. Yeah, so that, um, that was the beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you, and you've been doing this, you said, eight, eight years in January. Yep. Yeah, I wow. can't believe it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so that's eight years that you've been running a, a, a yearly uh, conference. Yes, at the, right at the beginning, we had a, a 50 participant meetup, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We didn't call it conference quite at the beginning. Okay. And then it started to grow from 50 to 60 to 70 to 200. Wow. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the uh, ones that I've been to have been have been more like 200 at least. <laughs> right, and you were at the beginning a participant, but not at Women Time Makers, but the deafest, right? Yeah, it's, it's been, like your memory is better than mine because I, I so I've been, I've been helping out with Women Tech Makers now. This, this, this 2020 would have been my third year of mm -hmm. participating, of being in an organization member. Then in 2017, I gave a talk at the Women Tech Makers Conference yes, about teaching children to code. And then before that, I was a participant, uh, an attendee, sorry. Mm -hmm. I, so, I actually, I remember meeting you the first time at DeFest where uh, Pilar was tagging along your sister, right? Uh, that's right. That, and uh, first Pilar got interested in our community, I think. That's and then right. Then you joined. 
Yes. So that, so my sister Pilar. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun story because at the time this was 2014 and Deaf Fest Vienna was taking place, which is a, which is the yearly G, local GDG Google developer group uh, conference. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was, I, I had been working in, in tech for four years or so, and I was still in a very shy phase. I'm still very shy, but less, even more shy. Um, and so my, my, Pilar, my sister, who was studying biology at the time said, hey, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you just go, I'll come with you. I'll have free pizza and whatever. And I'll, you know, check out some of the talks. And she just fell in love with the community. Like we both did, you know, she, and she liked it so much that she changed her uh, career from uh, microbiology to software engineering. And she's now studying at a university, at a university in London remotely, of course, right now. Um, yeah. So uh, to- how about we invite her on a, on a chat with us to tell us her story? I think, I think she'll be able to tell it so much better than I would. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. I, th- I really would like to get Pilar to motivate and inspire us as well. Totally, totally. She's doing some fantastic stuff, but I'll let her to her own horn. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, I just kind of, I, I, I had such a good time, you know, attending and, and speaking at Women Tech Makers that I think I either wrote to you or to someone else who was organizing. I said, listen, I, I, I want to help. You know, I want to keep this going. Uh, and it was, it was a great time. And look where we time. are today. And here we are now. Crazy podcast. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely one of the more out there experiences for me right now. I didn't think, you know, I've got, I've got this microphone, but I didn't think that I would use it for podcasting. I thought I'd be doing it for giving talks. You so, can do both. Absolutely. You never know where it's going to go. But um, yeah, so, and so the, the, the objective of these conferences, right? We wanted, we wanted to showcase women's in, in, uh, uh, women in STEM. Mm-hmm. We're doing really fascinating things and inspire mostly, because our target group was mostly students, right? Yeah, we started with uh, students and we were mostly located at, uh, and we're still located at the Technical University with our conference. So we, yeah. As a side effect, it attracts, uh, you know, the students there. Absolutely. But I have to admit that um, because we're already eight years old, we kind of grew with the community and the community with us. So I noticed mm-hmm. that uh, it turned from students into, you know, people that have already five to 10 years experience on the job. So I would say now it's more the young professionals and I include students in that as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and that kind of, I, what I like about that, what I like about having that opportunity is that we kind of can help folks that are trying to figure out where they want to go in their careers, show them what the possibilities are. One of the talks that inspired me so much is we had, we had a, a, a scientist come on, I think it was last year, or the year before, who showed us how they were creating uh, artificial heart valves. Do you remember? And I was uh, the tissue engineering the topic, tissue. wasn't it? Yes, uh, yes, that it was. Fascinated everybody at the conference. <clears throat> yeah. We haven't gotten so many amazing uh, positive feedback replies <laughs> like we that for for that talk. So that was yeah. pretty something. Do we have a link to that? We could put it in the show notes. Yeah, we we ought to have it on our YouTube channel. We have Excellent. to look that yeah. up. Exactly. I mean, on the note of the of the YouTube channel, what you know, as we've been 
doing this conference for a few years, we've been recording these talks and putting them online for, for people to watch. Yes, and this, that's where our podcast will also be going to. Excellent. It's the same yeah. channel, basically. Excellent. <laughs> right, so um, the aim of the conference was always to showcase female role models uh, from STEM, not just IT, but really different domains. And because it's different domains, we hadn't had the opportunity to go into in-depth of a particular domain. So we always kept it on a generic level of, let's get people introduced into tissue engineering, into uh, you know, machine learning at the general, um, let, you know, AI, AI in journalism, we had the topic this oh, yeah. year about um, interfaces, inclusive interfaces. So it's like very, different. We had also two years ago a conference that was more focused on, um, um, I think it was, yeah, um, environmental uh, engineering and civil engineering together. Yeah, yeah, I remember mm -hmm. one that had a big focus on sustainable uh, civil engineering. And a couple of years before, we also had one uh, focused on startups, even. <laughs> and we oh, had wow. some really cool talks of female startup uh, founders, basically. So, yeah. yeah That's a big topic in Vienna. <laughs> yes, it is. And sustainability <laughs> alike. Uh, and so, we've been always trying to see what does the community want from uh, our conference and try to deliver that content. Yeah. Uh, and also about Four years ago, we started doing kids workshops in parallel oh, awesome. to the main track. That's that's that was something that that really blew me away when I first attended. I thought, you know, because because there's that there's that big problem right for 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 women working in in the STEM fields of how they can take out the conference for context takes place on a Saturday, so yes. you know that is time normally spent with family and being able to offer this, this workshop so that we could, so that our, our organizers and, um, and, and people giving the workshop could watch, watch these children teach them something cool. And the kids, they do some cool stuff. Yeah, oh my God. I, I wanted to be part of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have some pictures online on the website. <laughs> yeah. We'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. We, they, they do stuff like, um, we had Elephant one toothpaste. Do you Elephant it? toothpaste? I do not. They basically pol polstered all the, um, well, it was in a seminar room at the Teu, mm -hmm. and they polstered the whole room with, uh, well, foil, basically to clean it up easy. And then in the middle of the room, they had this plastic something where they put all these ingredients together, and then it started to grow and grow and grow and it grew over and you like spilled over the table this elephant toothpaste i think it was blue or some color wow and it was just so fantastic and the parents were in the door looking of what are they doing <laughs> we have pictures of that oh that's awesome the kids were so excited and they were like oh my god i want to do chemistry in my life yeah. and it's so cool and they also did um they froze a rose in um uh, liquid nitrogen uh-huh again uh, like everybody wanted to see what's going on and <laughs> that's, that's right that's get that's what gets you excited about science 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I remember uh, helping someone set up a, a programming for children course that was also pretty fun getting the kids interested in, in how computers work and mm -hmm. how they could, you know, how they could look into uh, programming as a hobby and or career. Yeah. I, I th yeah. And I think, I think having that from a young age as well, especially having that exposure really helps show folks, especially having someone uh, as a, from a mentorship, someone, someone a little more diverse, like a woman or, uh, you know, someone who's not a white man, you know, show them <laughs> these amazing opportunities. I think it really, it really helps keep people motivated, so to speak. Yes, it was always about raising awareness uh, and, and um, giving the opportunity for those that didn't have so far, because everything for the conference is for free for us. We always oh, believe yeah. that education, motivation, <laughs> this kind of aspects should be um, for free for yeah. our members. And uh, so given, given, let's say that I don't have a lot of experience organizing a conference, how does, how does getting funding for that work? How does, how does you know, working out deals with, with say a venue a venue for 200 people. How, how would you go about that? Oh, this is a big topic. <laughs> how much <laughs> I time opened, do you have? How I opened the can of worms. <laughs> um, no, well, in a nutshell, we, we targeted a very specific talent pool, women mm. in STEM. And that uh, even now, this year, I've, I've started to realize how um, valuable that is for yeah. for example for companies that are looking to hire women in STEM uh, so I think you got the hint here our collaboration partners were on one side the companies and on one side the other NGOs and mm -hmm. also the university so with the university, we got last year into the into Einhundert Jahre Frauen auf der EU program. That's um, uh, that's German, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was last year. They were celebrating at the Technical University a hundred years since women went uh, to uh, to to teach at the university. They were allowed oh. to teach finally, oh. um, and. They wanted to do a whole year program around this, uh, supporting diversity and gender equality uh, NGOs and events. And that just happened to be also for us um, an opportunity uh, that we got to be part of the program, uh, which led to us getting the venue uh, under a partnership. That's awesome. So that, but, <laughs> you know, to get to this level, we kind of, we, before that, worked with the informatics department. We worked with the, um, um, like with the innovation center. We had it as partner. And then we, and we still col collaborate with the um, uh, TU Career Center and the gender competence department there. Yeah. So a lot of entities and people that had to come together over years for us to solidify this partnership with the university to be able to get the venue sponsored. Yeah, sounds and like the, it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, with a new NGO, you cannot uh, have it faster. Sure. It uh, definitely can also work out uh, faster. 
Um, but what the point that I wanted to say is that for us, the venue was always very important mm. because the venue, venue sets the atmosphere and the tone. And I think like from the beginning, I wanted to have an event in Kupersal. So it took me, what, six years <laughs> to realize that dream of mine. Because I always felt like Kupersal, if you know this uh, huge hall um, yeah. at the Technical University, is, is mostly all out of wood. And it just sets a very, I would say, comfortable and proper atmosphere. Um, because we, ha we wanted to create a comfort zone for our participants to be okay to share. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, sh not just always the positive aspects, but also the negative aspects of, you know, being the single woman on team XYZ. Um, and once I, I think once we managed to create this comfort zone, uh, then we managed to migrate the conference into something that is an inclusive welcoming atmosphere that goes beyond gender it should be about diversity end of the day because we believe in women tech makers uh in diversity um and equality regardless of gender mm. right so it, you know, it just takes time that all these things shift and go towards our diversity uh vision it just didn't happen from the get-go like that. And it wouldn't have been possible without the community yeah. um, sort of reflecting or telling us in which direction to, to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You need to have that, that open communication channel and a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of patience. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but uh, Women Tech Makers is, a, is purely run by volunteers. That's right. Is that right? Yep. None of us are paid by Google or by women tech makers to do this. We only, as you know, do it um, on the side of our full-time jobs or yeah. part-time jobs, weekends, evenings. <laughs> yeah. And it's out, uh, of, out of passion. Absolutely. Out of passion. And, and I mean, people, people like you and I, we, we have the privilege to be able to have the resources to be able to dedicate this time to it. So if, yes. if we can, why not? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's and it's a lot of work to be able to pull something like this off. And of course, not everything goes perfectly smoothly. We have our bumps. You know, I remember. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. I'm going to mention this to you on a recording for the first time. The first year that I organized, uh, that I helped organize Women Tech Makers Vienna, I was in charge in the eve in the after, in the afternoon half. I was in charge of recording the speakers, right? Okay. And I was, you know, I was, uh, it was a camera on a stand, you know, I had to stand up on a, on a box and make sure that the camera was pointing. <laughs> I, we have a picture of you doing this. Oh no. <laughs> and, and at some point, I don't remember who was speaking, but there was a, there was a speaker who liked to, who, when speaking moved around a lot, mm -hmm. like walked around, like some speakers tend to wander around the stage. And I don't know what happened, but my brain just shut off for a while. I was just focusing on the, on the speaker and the talk, like not looking at the camera, but looking past the camera at the stage. And I look at the camera and the speaker's nowhere to be found on the camera. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I lost the speaker on the camera. So there's like, at least, I, I don't know, maybe two, maybe five, hopefully maximum five minutes of footage of the, just the wall. <laughs> 
and it ha- I mean, the point is it happens, you know, you're, you're doing your best. You learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what makes a good, uh, I think what makes a, a, an organization and, and a, 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 a conference like this successful is the fact that you are receptive to that feedback because I, I've, I've seen in my years of attending. So as a, so I, for context, I'm a software engineer. I spend a lot of my time going to software engineering conferences and I find a lot of the time, I find there are more than I would like to say that there are a few events that, you know, receive this feedback and then don't respond well to it, dig their heels in, so to speak. And I think what makes something successful is when somebody comes to us, say for women tick makers and say, oh, I'm really, I'm so bored of of you all serving those uh, bagels for lunch every year. Can we get something else? to listen to them and say, okay, this works, this doesn't, how can we make a, a response that's uh, satisfactory and also, you know, internalize that feedback and sort of grow from it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. It's not easy to be honest. Yeah. Um, and we also had to learn to do that to actually. So, but to, yeah, at the same time, I have to also say that lately I'm, I'm yearning for feedback from the community, mm. actually, more than, um, yeah. I know what you mean. I think, I think that, it shifts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this year for the first, because of, because of the need to be remote, we tried our hand at something completely new, which was <laughs> the Women Tech Makers Online Conference. And, yes. Uh, that was completely new for us. We tried a bunch of new things. Some worked, some we still need to figure out. Um, we could probably dedicate some uh, an episode of this podcast to talk about online conferences. That's something near and dear to my heart. Um, but meanwhile, read the blog post that Ramon wrote about oh, the no. whole experience of <laughs> moving an on, on, offline conference to an online. Let's I, put that I, in the show notes. I guess I'll have to remember to, to promote myself in the show notes. That's um, what I'm here for. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we got to do this for each other. Um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, yearning, yearning for more feedback and, yeah, just, just, you know, hopefully seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work and being receptive to it. And, uh, it's important. And the, absolutely. Speaking of importance, another thing that I find that, that really, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I'm curious to hear. So for conferences, for me, having, as a speaker, having a code of conduct is absolutely essential to me, right? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I get invited to or apply to speak at a conference and I notice that, I, that they don't have a code of conduct, I'll find, hmm, I should really ask them why they don't have a code of conduct. Uh, there's a blog post by Ash Dryden, that I will post in the show notes about why it's important to have a code of conduct for you as a speaker, as an attendee, and even as an organizer to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's enough of my monologue. I'm curious, Timea, how, 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 what's the history of women tech makers and the code of conduct? Who? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if that's not putting you on the spot. <laughs> then I don't know. Yeah. Um, we've, We've been working on it several times. So I think this is like the third, fourth iteration that we have on our website. The last time actually Pilar, um, I think, worked on it, maybe Mm -hmm. together with you, is it? 
Uh, I I think two years ago I adapted the Berlin Code of Conduct into yeah yeah that's the one I have yeah yes yeah so um, I I can't say that I personally was much involved in the topic um, but you and, and Pilar had a very good point especially from your experiences from other conferences that this is something that should be very important and not taken for granted. So I remember as a fact that, yes, uh, we changed it, we improved it. And then um, we had a dedicated space always in the beginning of the conference and also on our uh, chat platforms to flash that there is a code of conduct. Conduct, if something is going wrong, then you can um, talk to XYZ at the conference. So. Mm -hmm. I think in the past two years, that became for us uh, must uh, part of the best practice. Because, you know, we want to build an inclusive conference and atmosphere where everybody's safe. Totally. And I think that's just one of the big steps that needs to happen for us to be taken serious. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think, I think the the big sticking point of, of code of conduct is that of enforceability, right? Because one thing is to yeah. just have a copy paste code of conduct and say, we're done here. And then when an incident actually happens, you can't, you don't know how to act on it. So, because it's not set in crystal terms, what happens if a code of conduct breach happens, it takes place. So it, I, I've met a lot of folks, uh, in my journey who, or a few conferences that say something like, but we're all adults. We don't need a code of conduct. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And a lot of the times those are the events and those are the people to whom, with whom these, let's say, these transgressions take place, you know? Beyond conferences, I think this is necessary in companies as well. And some of the Ooh. companies have it and it's called... Uh, you know, uh, anti-harassment, for example, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it as a policy. Um, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Because you have to have a guideline of what, how should I act if something happens? And you have to have, like, if you have a code of contact, you have a very good argument to um, showcase that there was a wrongdoing. Absolutely. That's all what I want to say about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I thank you. No, I think I think I know that I know that in the past I've as <laughs> as you hinted earlier, I've kind of been, me and my, my sister Pilar, we've kind of been the sticklers that are kind of constantly code of conducting uh, and and trying to, you know, uh, and push that to be enforced further. I think I think what we've done now is get us to a point as well something I'd like to touch on is um to whom it applies. Because what I find interesting about a code of conduct is also that, you know, it, a, an, uh, an attendee needs to abide by the code of conduct. Mm -hmm. A speaker needs to abide by the code of conduct. It's a little more yes. uh, involved because they also need to make sure that with their speak, with their, with their talk, with their slides, they don't break the code of conduct. Mm -hmm. But as organizers, we need to abide by the code of conduct as well. As humans, we can mess up. And so what one thing, for example, if I may, uh, uh, if I may um, um, ruminate about here is I'm wondering what can we do to enforce the code of, to have a team of folks 
enforce the code of conduct separated, separatedly from the organizing team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's something like you don't see the forest because of the trees, kind of, as Maybe. an organizer. Maybe. If, if as an organizer, you could also break the code of conduct, and then how do you enforce the code of conduct on yourself? How do, how do your fellow attendees enforce the code of conduct on you without breaking some sort of hierarchy that may or may not exist inside that organization team. Because for example, maybe one thing we could mm -hmm. go into in a bit is that women tech makers on a yearly basis for the last, how, I'm not sure how many years, you're gonna correct me in a moment, um, has had rotating lead organizers, right? So what happens if that lead organizer breaks the code of conduct? That's where the argument comes in for having a team separate from the organizing team called the code of conduct enforcement team or code of conduct team without making it sound too. Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> have, um, you, have you had any experience with that? I can relate to it, but I haven't had experience with it. Mm. For me, it's always like you, okay. I've been there for women time makers constantly for the last eight years and yes the every year the main organizer changes but it has to do a lot with my how i approach people mm -hmm. like i i want to say that i always trust people and put always the good first um and i'm sometimes in the wrong but i expect my follow organizer organizers to make me aware mm -hmm. if I'm doing something wrong or if somebody else is uh, doing something wrong. So that's why we are so many. I mean, True. we are many and we can do that. Yeah. I've never had the problem that uh, we never had actually the problem to that extent that uh, somebody didn't, oh, I mean, do something wrong. And I mean, if that's the point, then I think you would, as an organizer, immediately not feel good in the team anymore. Because then we, that means that we don't share the same values. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, you so, mean that, yeah. So it's sort of like, yeah, I think, did you have any experience? Um, I, I, <laughs> I guess, sorry, sorry to put you on the spot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just uh, discussing here. It's fine. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've been, you know, as, as it may become clear, if we do more of it, if we do end up turning it, this into a long running podcast, I go to a lot of conferences and I really like them. So I, I'm always looking into how other teams are organizing theirs. I, I find it interesting mm -hmm. to, to, to see how these people try to create uh, an inclusive, safe environment so that people can thrive, connect, communicate, and, and grow, grow in their careers, grow as people. So have I, have I seen, have I, you know, been witness to conferences that have had incidents? Yes, of course. I mean, these things happen, especially behind the scenes, a lot more than we take, than we take for granted. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think it's, I find it interesting to think, how can we, that's why, that's why I find myself a lot of the time thinking, how can we prevent uh, incidents like these from taking place, especially from an organizational standpoint? And I think, I think you put it quite well, Timea, when you said, 
you know, that this person, a person who's in an organizational team who witnesses something that they don't like, they, if, if, if they don't speak up, if anything, it says more about the, the structure itself of the team that's not working, yeah. which fortunately, I don't, I think, I think I can confidently say we haven't had yet in Women Tech Makers no. Vienna. If I have a team member that doesn't speak up, then I'm failing <laughs> with what we're doing here. Like it's, that I would see, see as a fail yeah. in the first place. And likely, I'm hoping that we didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, so, but, but let's, let's go into that because I think, so there's a few conferences I go to that do have rotating teams. For example, there's the European Ruby conference that what they do every year is it takes place in a different uh, city in Europe and also headed up by a completely different team. So -hmm. like nobody who organized last year's Euroco in, uh, in, in um, in the Netherlands will be organizing the one that takes place next year in Helsinki. Okay. So I'm I'm curious. What was what was the impetus for trying this with women tech makers by having a a lead organizer be different every year? Well, it wasn't necessarily the plan that it's every year mm. different. It's just quite some work. Yeah. And after organizing it for a year, you want you want a break. Sure. That's Absolutely. one aspect. And the second aspect is it's just natural because you want to develop yourself so i already did this uh i learned a lot what's next yeah like what can i do next to grow and that can be that you take again a different role potentially on on different tasks and you learn there something or yeah it also happens that we have members that left to Mm -hmm. join other organizations or just focus on their careers that's also absolutely fine so the whole rotating is it just it kind of it just kind of happened like that and at the same time it leaves a space for someone else to grow in this role i can't say that everybody who was in a main organizer position had all the skills and know-how from the get-go but there was the opportunity to grow into this and to learn from it um so it's natural (laughs) and that's one aspect but the rest of the team uh i'm happy to say that we have kind of a core team that kind of is the same every year and that gives you extra support because you know the people already that you're going to be working with there are friendships that are created internally. Um, so there's a support system. That's awesome. However, I can't say that it's perfect because um, to be super honest here, we also had the case where the main organizer after the conferences were almost burned out or actually mm. burned out uh, so because it's, it's you know full-time job, you do this on the side, main organizer means more or less being a project manager for a huge conference, huge, 200, 100, 200 people, which is not little. It's pretty Uh, big. (laughs) You have a team of six, seven people, uh, different tasks that you have to juggle and manage. And then I think that the month right before the conference is super 
intense. Yeah. Uh, and I can't say that it's perfect in how we organize ourselves because it was um, always the feedback, sometimes the feedback that uh, after the conference, there's a like, like burnout of the main organizer. And that's something that I wanted to overcome. And we, for that reason, we had last year, the conference where we had two main organizers. Um, it kind of worked and it actually, it actually more worked than it didn't. And we mm -hmm. definitely didn't have this feedback of it was too much for one person. That's good. Um, this year, it was just one main organizer, but the problem was not the conference, was the fact that we had to cancel it one week before yeah. everything was set up and we were like, let's go. And then the lockdown happened and then we had to like shift it. And sometime in June, we got back on track and was like, okay, let's do it online. So that, yeah. was, a, that was a different disappointment for the main organizer. Yeah. However, the details I would actually like to discuss with the actual main organizers themselves Absolutely. because we want to invite them on the podcast. Absolutely. I think, I think giving them, giving them the, the space to talk about what their experiences are, what they learned and, yes. you know. The good and would, the bad. <laughs> the good and the bad. Yeah, warts and all, as they say. On that note, Timia, for you, because you've been doing this for a while, could you, you know, enumerate these, these success, these success, uh, these successes that you've had? Oh, well, I, I think I want to categorize this into personal successes and community successes. Awesome. Um, uh, so first of all, I already mentioned that one big goal of mine and dream was that we have the conference in the Cooper Zal. That, mm -hmm. was, a, that was a big success for me. Um, I never thought that I could see uh, in a volunteer organization so much dedication that transforms in a sustainable team that stays the same over years that for me is the is is a huge feedback positive uh feedback yeah uh, that the people just want to stick around yeah <laughs> so that's for me personally also beyond my expectation <laughs> Yeah, it's then, been a um, while. Yes. You, you know, you're also in here for, what, three years now? So Yeah. <laughs> to know why you stick I, around, but obviously I'm, there's I'm something. Not, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Awesome. Um, and that we managed to grow organically to 200 attendees at the conference, which is what we had last year, uh, the last face-to-face -face, uh, conference plus the enormous positive feedback from the yeah. community that we actually managed to create an inclusive environment, welcoming. That's also something that we, that happened organically for us. Not, I can't really say, or I don't even have particular pon points to say, okay, we did this on purpose to become inclusive. Uh, it's something that comes from the community as feedback after each conference. So it's a bit of a personal goals mixed with community goals. Which I think are fantastic motivators, honestly. Okay, so, and, um, and there's more. <laughs> also, a big, a big success that I, I would call a big success is the fact that 
um, we don't need to actively go and um, how I call fundraise or um, uh, find partnerships mm -hmm. for the conference. They knock at our door. That's and that for me is again, you know, we managed to establish ourselves what we stand for and the companies or the partners already know about us and want to partner with us because we are known for quality or for um, providing specific tailored yeah to their needs <laughs> solutions to their needs that's also very relieving <laughs> however covid happened so uh, i think i think everything is about to change <laughs> fingers crossed we can keep doing a a good job at providing these platforms for people yes uh but after eight years I and, and the COVID situation happening, I think we need to get out of the comfort zone again, yet again, and reinvent ourselves. With the, I, I don't think that, for example, so we, we know for sure that the conference, as it happened last year, we cannot provide that next year. It's very unlikely that we can have a face-to-face -face conference. Mm -hmm. just too much uncertainty so we either do it online uh, learning from this year or we simply reinvent ourselves such as the podcast or whatever else our organizers and community members want they should just email us because we can make it happen <laughs> absolutely not, not everything in the whole world but you know <laughs> we can discuss it <laughs> So what you're saying is the the milkshake bar at the conference is probably not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> never say never. I wish never. for, but uh, never say never. <laughs> cool, um, awesome, awesome. I, I you know I, I I just really it's been such an honor to be on this this organizing team because I think like you said it's been. We've been at this for a while. You see, there, there's, there's a bit of a, there's, a, there's. After a while, we've kind of built up this sense of camaraderie that spills over when new people join in or when people have to leave because they want to mm. pursue different efforts or they have to move to another city. I feel like that sense of sticking together really means a lot to me because I think it, I think it spills out into the conference as well. Yeah. And and like you said. I'm I'm kind of really liking your your emphasis on jumping out of the comfort zone. I think I think by by fostering this and and by keeping going, you know, something that uh, a personal objective of mine with the Women Tech Makers online conference was to establish some sort of online community that we could then push forwards and foster. It's been a bit dormant lately. Uh, I'll admit, partly, uh, partly on me. We we started up a, a Discord community um, where people can chat and attend. We we used it during the conference to sort of mm -hmm. attend the conference, where people could chat and ask questions. We found out some things along the way. Uh, I'm just going to quickly drop this because I loved it. So we had uh, a voice. If you're unfamiliar with Discord, Discord's a, a kind of an online hangout community. Uh, chat platform, also voice platform, initially used for games, but now it also has a bigger online community uh, uh, emphasis. Mm -hmm. And so Timia had this idea that we do an online breakfast 
at the beginning of the second, we split it into two days. I think it wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea? Well, you did have was, an idea that I want to, that I, that I want to. It was Mahek's idea. Well, it was Mahek, sorry, my bad. But we had this, we had this, this voice channel where we had a breakfast and then you had the idea where you um, just went into that voice channel. We renamed it to voice hangout and you just hang, hung out there and attendees would drop in every now and then. Do you remember? Yeah, we called it lounge. The uh, lounge, lounge, that's it. The lounge. Love it. And I, I was so blown away by this because A, I'd never seen it before at, at an online conference and B, it would have never occurred to me in a million years that people would want to voice chat during talks. <laughs> I thought that was incredible. And I think that's where I think this whole emphasis on stepping out of your comfort zone goes really well because you don't know what's going to come from it, right? Yeah, unless you try it. Unless you try it. I kind of, I kind of like that. Unless you try it, like go for it. This year was also for me personally, a lot of going out of the comfort zone. So I'm trying to almost get comfortable with being out of the comfort zone. I like that. You could say that. And um, I think it's at the same time, a good opportunity to tackle new topics, to try new things also for Women Tech Makers Vienna. Awesome. Cool. Well, you know, we've been chatting here for a bit. Yeah. I think we could start winding down. I think we've... Drink my last zips of the coffee. Oh, mine's gone. <laughs> mm. That's a good sign of... <laughs> yes. Well, I think, I think this, I don't know about you, but I've had a wonderful time talking now. I think, you know, once, once we, we can start bringing on guests, we can start figuring out where this podcast will go, how we can make it grow and, you know, make it make us grow with it. I'm, I don't know about you. How are you feeling too, man? Now that we've been at this for a while. I'm still excited. It's like awesome. insane. I, I love it. Awesome. And I, I like the chat. Yeah, me too. A lot. So I think with that, we can say our goodbyes. We and can see you next time. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Bye. Are you on the forefront of gender equality? You are invited on our podcast. That's right. Or maybe you know somebody that we could have a chat with on gender equality. You should totally get in touch with us. We're on Twitter at Gender Coffee or any of the other contact methods on our show notes. We would love to you to get in touch and for us to have a chat.